Coming up on We Talk News This Week, all eyes on New York as the Empire State welcomes back cannabis trade shows to the Javits. But the new New York State Weed Czar pushes the launch of adult use sales back to 2023. Tremaine Wright says she's ready for the challenge. But as the chair of the New York Control Board, I can attest New York is committed to ensuring that we make up for lost time by developing the best con- the best program that we've seen in this country. Plus, is there a supply shortage for pre-roll cones on the horizon? Industry distributors are concerned. And a major brokerage house, JP Morgan, gets more selective about its cannabis stock investments. Plus, a visit to the Stone Age on We Talk News next. We are pro-cannabis media. I'm Elena Pinto in Boston for pro-cannabis media and Weed Talk News. Jimmy Young is on assignment in New York, and all eyes are on that state for a few reasons this week. It was earlier this year that the Empire State passed adult use legislation to open the adult use market in New York, but news this week is about a delay in the launch. Jimmy's at the annual CWCB Expo to explain. No surprise for anybody from Massachusetts. After all, it took the Bay State two years just to get the adult use recreational stores and regulations up and operational. The same thing is going going to happen here in New York, and they've already delayed the start by one year in order to get it right. That seems to be the message of all the regulators and the legislators involved in New York State about getting this market launched. No one is more focused on that task than the woman they put in charge of the Cannabis Regulatory Board. Her name is Tremaine Wright. We are about to create the most equitable cannabis program in the country. New York's future is about equity and fairness, and our future begins now. The seventh annual Cannabis World Business Expo has taken over the Javits Convention Center this week with all sorts of panels, exhibitors, entrepreneurs, investors, and thousands of the Canacurious, all New Yorkers. After 18 months off because of the pandemic, this is the first major cannabis convention in New York after legalization. Needless to say, Christine Iannuzzi from the CWCB Expo is thrilled to be back in business. It's beyond gratifying. I feel that I'm relishing this moment all day to see people together gathering, sitting next to each other, networking together, making deals, looking for information, learning, networking, and having fun. That's what this is all about. We waited, all of us, two years for this. We're on the off-ramp of this pandemic. It's in the rearview mirror. That's how we all feel. That's what I look at on the show floor. I talk to the exhibitors, the speakers. It is just beyond gratifying. This is what we waited for, and we're doing it safely. And I love that part of it, too. We're doing it very safely. We had great content. We're offering great opportunities for people to learn, learn, and, and, and learn, earn, and network, and that's what this is all about. And we did it together. We were waiting patiently, and it's just so nice to see people having fun and being together and getting back to business, and that's what it's about. 
JP Morgan is the latest financial institute to give Bud the boot. In a letter, the company told prime brokerage clients it will no longer let them buy certain U.S. cannabis-related securities. Some experts think the high-profile collapse of private fund Arcago's Capital this year left several banks nursing losses, forcing them into such a move. Perhaps the fate of the safe banking bill will change some minds down the road. Standing by in New York is Jimmy Young with the Green Market Reports. Deborah Borchardt with more. Thank you so much, Elena. You know, it's so great to be in New York City at a convention where you can actually meet people face to face. So this is a special green market report with Deborah Borchardt. First of all, Deborah, congrats on the Cranes acquisition. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank and, you. And I'm, we're all, everybody in the media business is happy about you. And you know what? Of all the people, you deserve this. And I'm really happy that to, to run into you here at the Expo. We do have some news to talk about. One of the things we talked about right at the top of the show was that J.P. Morgan now is shying away from recommending any cannabis stocks. What kind of an impact will that have? Well, so I think it was a little misleading because everybody was saying how J.P. Morgan was going to disallow cannabis stock trading. But if you look at the letter that went out, it was to the prime brokerage clients, which are the hedge funds and companies like that. So my interpretation from that letter was if I was just a regular brokerage client, I could still buy and sell these stocks. It's just their prime brokerage clients. They want to reduce their risk to those clients. They don't want any hedge funds, um, you know, taking huge positions in illiquid stocks. So that was really what's going on there. I think the, the headline made it sound much worse than it actually was. And look, they've never been in cannabis anyway to begin with, so. Shocked to hear that there are people reacting to headlines out there <laughs> in the media world and in, and in general. Um, other news in the M&A world, in the big, big marijuana picture, if you will. So there were uh, there was a deal this week. Flora Growth bought Vessel Brands for $30 million. You may uh, have been familiar with Vessel Brands, a very high-end uh, inhalant hardware company. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, because there's so many issues right now with vape companies and shipping. So, but the demand is still there for vape companies, so maybe that's it's a longer-term vision. Any other items of note? We did have some earnings this week. Uh, I thought which, uh, the one that was most noteworthy was Scott's miracle Grow. Uh, they did have sales drop a little bit in this most recent quarter uh, with Hawthorne, the hydroponic company. So that was a little troubling because they've been crushing it. Um, so having said that, they have been crushing it. Not too worried about them. Uh, Innovative Industrial Properties also reported their earnings this week. And once again, they turned in another solid quarter. They just continue to keep uh, delivering, you know, consistent results quarter after quarter. And then, you know, on just the, the gossip side of the business, we have the trial continuing with MedMen and their former CFO, James Parker. Thank goodness for MedMen. It gives a lot of credit and a lot of a lot of copy for media types. If if there was talk shows in cannabis on a live radio basis, as opposed to what we do on pro cannabis media, you would think that that would be you know wall to wall talk. MedMen this, MedMen that. We don't have to worry about that right now. Right, and and you know, and and as we're we're chuckling and 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 uh, making light of this news, right. it really actually was a really uh, very bad situation. Uh, the former CFO, James Parker, is basically saying that the company was doing some pretty rotten things like transporting cannabis across state line, which is illegal. And then they were also, uh, he accused them of 
giving money to outside brokers to buy the stock and pump it up. So that's also super illegal. And then thirdly, just a toxic work environment, just the, the kind of offensive language that the ex-CFO had alleged was supported this week. So that's what was happening this week was they were bringing in other people that were saying, yes, the stuff that James Parker said is true because we heard it too. Men behaving badly in boardrooms. I think there's something having to do in the NFL going on with that as well, a few other places. So it's not just related to the cannabis world. Deborah Borchardt from Green Market Report and Crane Media. I'm Jimmy Young on the floor of the CWCB Expo. Let's toss it back to the studio to Elena Pinto. Elena? It's no secret the pandemic has taken a toll on just about every existing industry, including cannabis. And it turns out your pre-rolled joints could now be at stake. That's right. Cones are the latest victim of the supply chain crisis. While rolling papers are widely produced, the cones that many companies use for pre-rolls come in much smaller batches. And right now, they're in high demand and short supply. Experts say not every brand will be hit, but overall, the number of pre-rolls on the shelves will be lower for some time. With more headline cannabis news, here's Michigan Normal Executive Director and Arcana caster, Rick Thompson. Rick. Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Yesterday was voting day in Michigan, and I hope everyone made it to the polls. In off-year elections, there isn't a whole lot of attention paid to the ballot box, but this year we had five ballot proposals of interest to the cannabis and entheogenic substance community. In Lapeer, a move to cancel the existing adult use industry was pretty soundly defeated, and in Tiny Perry, the citizens voted to rescind the city's ban on cannabis businesses, but by a margin of less than 10 votes, we anticipate a recount in that close election. In Clawson, Pottersville, and Rockwood, voters refused to either authorize cannabis businesses or roll back prohibitions on them. Now, the big win happened in Detroit, where Proposal E won quite easily. That ballot proposal is almost a carbon copy of the one approved by the Ann Arbor City Council earlier in 2021. It makes the pursuit of criminality for the possession and use of magic mushrooms, peyote, rainbow cacti, and other entheogenic substances the lowest law enforcement priority in the D. Although that's not legally a decriminalization bill, it's supposed to carry the same effect. When passed in Ann Arbor, Washtenaw County Prosecutor Ellie Savitt declared he'd adopt that policy for the entire county, not just its largest city. Although we have high hopes that Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy will do the same, there's no guarantee. What is guaranteed? Detroit has spoken, and they spoke in a loud and clear voice. And they repeated a message often heard in Detroit, Leave us alone. Focus on real crime. Drop the tattered flag of the old drug war and embrace the new symbols of freedom and individuality, the cannabis leaf, and the button cap. Decriminalized Michigan is a similar proposal before the legislature. Efforts in other cities to duplicate Ann Arbor's results are moving forward. Michigan is becoming a personal choice state, worthy of national attention and national tourism dollars. Congrats, Detroit. You did great. Now, November 4th was a big day for the cannabis community in Michigan, as nearly every cannabis law reform organization participates in a massive lobby day in Lansing. Teams spread out over the House and Senate office buildings, intent on taking their message of, leave us alone, to lawmakers and their staff members. 
The Lobby Day drew people from all across Michigan and is supported by groups like Normal of Michigan, the Michigan Chapter of Americans for Safe Access, the highly influential Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, and specialty groups like More Than Hope, a pediatric cannabis advocacy organization, The Hero Project, which is a veterans group, several different caregiver groups, and individuals who are without group representation. Our viewers might ask, why does Michigan need a lobby day for cannabis issues? Well, it's the bills, of course. House bills 5300, 5301, and 5302 specifically. The proposals to radically alter the nature of caregiving in Michigan is contained within those three bills, and the cannabis community opposes them with great vigor. The bills were rushed into committee, they were rushed out of committee, and the plan was to rush them to a vote in the Michigan House of Representatives, but that didn't happen. I'm happy to report the bills are being slowed down largely due to citizens reaching out to their lawmakers and saying, keep your hands off my medicine. A vote was expected earlier in the week, just before the lobby day, but it looks like they didn't have the votes to pass the bills. One of the bills seeks to amend the 2008 medical marijuana law, which is a voter-directed initiative, and that would require a supermajority of three-quarters vote in the House to pass. Seems like they just don't have the votes. And a big congratulations and thank you to everyone who reached out to their lawmakers, but a special thanks to Jamie Lowell, Amy Carter, and Zara Abbas for their tireless advocacy and leadership on this project. Go team! And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Most employers are starting to relax their rules around drug testing and other hiring policies, but officials in Montana want to make it tougher to work in the weed biz. A new proposed rule would make anyone with a criminal conviction within the past three years ineligible for employment within the state's medical cannabis industry, and that includes simple cannabis possession which is now legal there. There's a public hearing on this at the end of the month, so we'll see if it moves forward. With more medical news, here's our Green Nurse Report from Jesse Lynn Dolan in Vermont. Hi, I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. Vermont's Cannabis Control Board submitted a report to the General Assembly recommending they remove solid concentrates with a THC concentration of 60% or above from the list of prohibitive products. They also recommended that the jurisdiction of the Cannabis Control Board's cannabis program encompasses the manufacture and sales of products containing Delta-8, Delta-9, other deltas, and future synthetic cannabinoids with similar properties, whether they are derived from hemp or from high THC cannabis. Finally, the board recommended that the Medical Cannabis Advisory Board be comprised of 12 members, six registered patients of diverse backgrounds, three registered caregivers of diverse backgrounds, two licensed healthcare professionals with knowledge of using cannabis for symptom relief from lists of providers provided by the Board of Medical Practice and the Office of Professional Regulation. Lastly, one licensed cultivator with expertise in medical cannabis from a list provided by a Vermont Cannabis Cultivation Advocacy Organization. A recent MJ Biz Daily report entitled Vermont's Focus on Small Marijuana Growers Could Cause Supply Issues with Adult Use Rollout is bringing light to a possible sticky situation. The proposed recommendations from the Cannabis Control Board 
focus on making the market more accessible to those individuals already cultivating in the underground legacy market. MJ Biz is right when they say this small is beautiful approach aligns with Vermont's artisanal notoriety, such as maple syrup, cheese, and craft beer. Vermont projects adult use retail sales will be $10 million by the end of 2022, will top $220 million by 2024, with total medical and adult use sales hitting $222 million by 2026. Flowers expected to dominate adult use sales, with vapes and edibles making up most of the remaining purchases. Though this all sounds lovely, the hired consultants to the Cannabis Control Board provided an analysis showing that the adult use market will likely experience a slow start, showing that the supply of cannabis flower will be well below demand for the first two years. On a tastier note, sign up now for Hot and Hetty's Thanksgiving Feast to elevate you with your favorite infused Turkey Day classics on November 21st. Visit Hot and Hetty on Instagram for more information. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. While lawmakers on Capitol Hill argue over cannabis, the residents of D.C. are just waiting for some consistency and regulations. Well, this week, the Washington, D.C. City Council unanimously approved a bill that allows medical cannabis patients with expired cards to continue using them through the end of January. The proposal also included provisions to ramp up enforcement on cannabis gifting in the district. But those were tossed out before the vote. With more from the nation's capital, here's Vote Pro Podcast's Phil Adams. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the Weed Talk News DC Report. A key House committee is set to vote this week on legislation to require the Department of Veterans Affairs to conduct clinical trials into the therapeutic potential of cannabis for military veterans. The House Veterans Affairs Committee will take up the VA Medical Cannabis Research Act amid pushback from the Biden administration. Last month at a hearing of the House Veterans Affairs Health Subcommittee, VA Representative David Carroll expressed the administration's opposition to the bill. Carroll said the mandate could put subjects unnecessarily at risk and that the studies currently ongoing at the VA are sufficient. A new study finds that states where cannabis has been legalized or decriminalized have experienced significant reductions in race-based arrests among adults. Published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, the research looked at data from 43 states from 2008 to 2019 with a focus on trends specifically related to African Americans. Researchers found that states that legalized cannabis saw an average of 561 fewer arrests per 100,000 African Americans over that time period. States that decriminalized cannabis saw an average of 449 fewer arrests. Meanwhile, in states that have not implemented any such legal reform, cannabis arrests increased during the time period. Government-approved marijuana currently being cultivated for research is genetically quite different from cannabis sold at dispensaries. According to a study published in Frontiers, an open access publisher and science platform, research-grade cannabis grown at the University of Mississippi is much closer to hemp than what is commercially available in legal states. The study compared government-sourced cannabis to 49 samples of cannabis varieties currently available to consumers. 
The study raises questions about the relevance of research conducted using government cannabis in understanding the effects of products that consumers are actually using. The Drug Enforcement Agency announced last May that it would begin authorizing other sources of cannabis cultivation for research, but to date, none has been approved. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Companies striking an international deal in California. Colombian company Flora Growth has acquired the California-based Vessel brand in an agreement worth $30 million. Flora Growth says it's an opportunity to fast forward Flora's penetration into U.S. and Canadian cannabis markets. With more on what's going on in the Golden State, here's Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report. I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you the roundup from the great cannabis state of California for Weed Talk News. Highway Cannabis is a relatively new name on the California scene, but they are not here to play company says it is well positioned to play a meaningful role in the consolidation of the California market through both new store openings and conversions into highway cannabis dispensaries throughout the Golden State. With $20 million in their war chest, the company has just acquired Marina Caregivers, two of kind people shops in Santa Cruz, and they've signed a merger agreement with a 32,000 square foot grow in San Diego. So watch out. 420 Intel asks the question, do celebrity brands perform well versus other cannabis brands? In just the last few months, Seth Rogen, Justin Bieber, Lil' Kim, Hooper's Kevin Durant, Allen Iverson, Ben Wallace, they've joined Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg, and Mike Tyson in fronting cannabis brands. In the article, there's no definitive answer, and I say this is because the author's asking the wrong question. It should be, are celebrity brands giving fans good quality weed or just generic boof with their name on it? The jury's still out, but I'll bet the Biebs is sweating. On the national scene, in case it hasn't been reported here yet, cannabis is now the number five crop by revenue in the United States, according to Leafly's inaugural Cannabis Harvest Report, which is produced alongside with Whitney Economics. But by analyzing only the 11 states where cannabis is legal for adult use, Leafly found 13,042 farms that harvested over 5 million pounds for a wholesale value of $6.2 billion, bringing it in just behind wheat, hay, soybeans, and corn. It's the most valuable crop in Colorado, Massachusetts, Nevada, Oregon, and in Alaska, the state's cannabis crop is worth more than twice as much as all other agricultural products combined. So it won't surprise you to know that the latest Gallup poll shows support for legalizing cannabis is holding steady at 68%, and business intelligence from software firm Akerna shows that over Halloween weekend, adult-use cannabis consumers spent more on cannabis than other people spent on candy and costumes. But not at Big Mike's Halloween Bazaar held annually at a secret Beverly Hills location. This year's event was, quote, as big and bold as the man himself, a one-time outlaw grower who celebrated green thumb led him to found plant nutrition powerhouse Advanced Nutrients. Big Mike, justifiably famous for his over-the-top soirees, a few of the highlights, pillars bursting into flame, Fire dancers, water dragons, contortionists, sword, swallow sword swallowers, fortune tellers, face painters, a Ferris wheel, dancers, 
If you're not jealous, you should be. It was insane. And I'm Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report, sending you peace and love and Halloween from Cannabis Heaven, California, for Weed Talk News. The results are in from the Massachusetts High Times Cannabis Cup. It's the first time the magazine asked consumers in the Bay State to rank their favorite brands. And it turns out they like INSA. Yes, INSA is officially the Commonwealth's most high times awarded brand. With more from the Bay State, let's check in with Ron Marshallsea. Ron. I'm Ron Marshallsea with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. While cannabis is now recreationally legal in both Massachusetts and Connecticut, Connecticut's Attorney General is asking for billboards advertising Massachusetts dispensaries in his state to be taken down. Attorney General William Tong has sent out a letter asking seven Massachusetts cannabis retailers to remove their billboards from along Connecticut highways. Tong cited the new law passed in July that says it is illegal to advertise marijuana in Connecticut unless you know 90% of your audience is over the age of 21. Although recreational marijuana sales have soared during the pandemic, business complications in the industry have been continuous. Jim Borgazani, the communications director of Yes on 4 in 2016, was stated as saying, Right out of the gate, the legislature delayed everything by six months to rewrite the initiatives. There's just been a slower licensing process by the CCC than in other states, and for no good reason. The industry also had setbacks when Governor Baker decided that cannabis retailers were non-essential businesses during 2020. The cannabis delivery businesses in the Bay State are seeing demand, however, there's one thing getting in the way of profitability. Christopher Fevry, CEO of cannabis delivery company Your Green Package, says they are doing 30 deliveries a day, but the thing holding them back is the two-driver rule. Regulations from the State Cannabis Control Commission required there to be two drivers in cannabis delivery vehicles at all times. Gabe Salazar, the founder of We Can Deliver, says it's not equitable for not just the company, but the drivers as well, because if one is sick, the other can't work. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsea. There is another theme in the cannabis industry that is well on its way to being implemented and embraced. It's the woman entrepreneur. Sasha Perlman of the Stone Age is combining her love of art, education, of cannabis, and interactive events combined with her entrepreneur spirit to create an amazing experience that Jimmy Young took on in the Big Apple. Hi, I am Sasha Perlman, co-founder of the Stone Age, the premier cannabis experience in New York City and possibly the world. Uh, we are very much the intersection of cannabis culture, art, advocacy, and experience. And we're very excited for our flagship here in the heart of Manhattan, the heart of Chelsea, um, this beautiful 10,000 square foot exhibit that features a lot of really incredible things. Um, the first thing that you'll see is this beautiful botanical assortment, um, female founded brand out of Jersey City, Larkspur Botanicals. So all of the people who have worked on the space are local to the tri-state area. There's quite a bit of artistry here uh, throughout the space that's unique to the Stone Age. We collaborated with local artists through New York and New Jersey, all curated by our creative director, Anna Seibel. This mural that you see here is a collaboration from Adam Fujitsa and Natasha Platt. And you'll see these beautiful art pieces that were inspired by each artist's relationship with the plant. 
And also throughout the space, you'll see these educational moments. And the educational moments are really intended to not only tell you the what, but give you the why. We're now in the state of creativity. Creativity and cannabis have linked, been linked for a long time together. The idea here is really that cannabis helps you think outside the box. It helps you unlock your mind, offer new perspective, and shift the perception of what you see to what actually is. All of the artwork in here is by local artist Bianca Romero. And people are really encouraged to move their mind, body, and soul in here. So you'll see there's a motion-activated screen. Kind of follows you with paint strokes around. And then one of my favorites is this interactive DJ booth. So you can layer and produce your own beats. So as we're flowing here, you push the button. Jimmy at a woman in cannabis event. Love to see it. And that's another reason why it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. I'm Elena Pinto for Weed Talk News. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area, now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. difference is building a solution for that individual not just a custom here's a box here's a video here's how you make your vms we custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs and we keep the cost low we have multiple tiers you know as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things if you want a one-time you know where you just pay one initial cost we have that if you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times we have different plans for you but we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100 percent Media programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCanna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash ProCannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media.